but let's give appreciation to the Lord for his grace and his mercy, his kindness, his faithfulness to us, his love. Amen. He holds us together. Bless the Lord. Let's, uh, Father, thank you for this time, this moment, these people here, each and every individual. Thank you for them being here and, uh, Lord, ministering to them today. Lord, we ask that you set our hearts so that we may receive your word. Open our ears that we may hear. Strengthen our hands that we would serve and our feet that we would walk your path. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be preaching out of Joshua chapter 5 if you want to get there and kind of just... Uh, being a little bit of a holding pattern for just a second, but it's a great time to be alive during this chapter in history. Now that's, uh, amen. It's a, yeah, I know, I know, but still. It's a great time to be alive during this chapter of history. Amen. Now some of you may be saying, well, that's an odd introduction. Look who's up here. Pastor Mike, we have a, we're living with a pandemic. We have to live with a, with a rag over our mouth throughout the course of the day. Our mouths are covered. And it's been over a year that our mouths are covered. How many of you have gotten out of your car, go to the store, Got my covering. I'll let you know. I uh, I work as a custodian in a in a in a school. After obviously after the kids get out of school and the teachers are gone and there's no one around, no one. Remember, we got to follow the science, right? That's why our faces are covered, right? We got to follow the science. Okay, there's no one around. Remember, six feet of separation. Wear your mask, right? All this stuff, this stuff. There's no one there. There's a a custodian in one end of the hall, there's a custodian in the other end, there's a custodian, there's no one around, no one for eight hours. I still have to wear a mask. Yeah. Science. Now, here's their explanation. Well, now here's, now, here's what they say. Well, you, you don't have to wear the mask when you're cleaning the classroom, but you have to wear it in the hallway. So wait, let me get this straight. So the virus is in the hallway, and it floats through the air. Oop, classroom. So the insanity of it. We're restricted in our travels. You, know, you can't go to this state because if you go to this state, well, when you get there, you have to you have to quarantine for 14 days before you can actually visit the state. Then when you come home, you got to quarantine again for another 14 days so then you can go back to your normal life. That's a pretty good deal. That's a month's vacation. <laughs> I'm going to be gone for a month. I'm going to a, restric a restricted state, so I got to go there and I got to stay for 14 days. Then I can visit for a week. Then I got to come home. I got to quarantine for 14 days so I can get back to my normal life. Crazy. Restricted travels. Can't go there. Church is closed, but the bars are open. Church is closed, 
but a strip club is open. Church is closed, but a bowling alley is open. The liquor store is open. Riots are raging through our nation. Stores being looted, lifestyles, people's livelihoods being demolished and destroyed. Fires being set, people's lives being lost. All because people feel this, this, all this angst, this frustration, this voice, their voice not being heard, their, their, their own sanctity of life not even being respected. There's this angst, there's this frustration, there's this rage. They say our nation is divided now more. They say our nation is divided now more, or our nation is divided now more than any other time in our lifetime. But then you hear from, from people and they say, oh, the nation is divided. Oh, just uh, like, like it was during the Civil War. I'm not like, yeah, I know, I missed that by a week. <laughs> you know, it's, it's our nation is divided. I can't, I, I can't weigh what happened during the Civil War. That's not my time. This is my time. And yes, our nation is divided. And we're divided over difference of opinion. That's why we're divided. I don't like your opinion, so I'll cancel you. I don't like your political party. I don't like your former president. Or I don't like your current president. Do you understand? We're divided over something so minuscule. But you have the powers that be that, that, that fuel the division, fuel the division, fuel it. That we have more in common with, uh, with each other than we have not in common. Do you understand that? We have more in common with each other. We're just trying to get by. Put food on the table. Keep a roof over our head. Clothes on our feet. Insurance paid. Mortgages paid. Things paid. Have a, have a decent life. We have more in common than we have not in common. But you wouldn't know that according to the media. Our enemies are gearing up for invasion. There's war on the horizon. We have armies that are gearing up at their border to invade another country. Our, our, our enemies' armies are growing stronger while we invite people to come in for sexual aug augmentation. Not to prepare for battle, but to calm a society or meet a societal need or social justice, whatever it is, whatever you want to label it. It's not the way you protect a nation or a nation grows stronger. We're becoming a laughing stock. Our enemies are gearing up for invasion. It seems like the earth is a powder keg. Borders, uh, the border is out of control. The, the, there's armies um, on 
getting ready to invade. There's fires all over the nation, fires all over the world. Seems like the world is a powder keg, and one more spark, and boom! It's all going to be set off. So when I say to you it's a great time to be alive during this chapter in history, I mean it. It's a great time to be alive during this chapter in history. And I want to share with you just from Acts right now that just kind of confirms what I'm trying to say here. It says in Acts chapter 17, verses 24 to 28, it says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he, need, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he, he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries for their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and, per, and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. I want to let you know that it's exciting to be alive during this time because we were born for such a time as this, and God ordained it. Yeah. Maybe wonder, well, what's my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing now? Ask God. According to this scripture, he created for you to be alive during this time, during this purpose, during this portion of history. And you have a role to play in it. You have a role to play in it, whether it's your own role or God's role. There's a, there's a purpose and plan for your life. Thomas Paine wrote in his 1776 pamphlet, The Crisis, he said, these are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from service of their country. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us. The harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. Now, uh, uh, there was an interesting thing that he talked about in, when he begins to talk about the things that try men's soul. And the thing that he's, he had kind of zeroed in on was the summer soldier and the summertime patriot. See, those are the ones that came in when the weather was nice. Yeah, let's go get those British. Come on, let's go. Then the weather got cold and the winter came. And they're like, ah, it's too cold. I'm going home and start a fire. You guys fight this battle out. And see, the thing, the thing that is upon us is that, listen, we are in a battle, and the battle is raging, and the battle will begin to amp up. And you have to ask yourself, how devoted am I to the fight? How devoted am I to the Lord? How devoted am I to the local church? How devoted am I? How What's it going to take for me to leave? That should never even be a question. Should be nothing. But we have had some people, we've had some 
We've had people, the, there, there's been a virus that has afflicted us. And listen, I, I got, I got COVID-19. And I know it took our precious brother. And I know that. But some of us have gotten it, and it hasn't been as, it's, it's been like a cold. I remember when I got it, I had a fever for a day and a half. I had a cold that lasted, a, a cough that lasted a little longer. Yes, I got fatigued, and yes, I lost my appetite. That was the worst part of it. <laughs> Being fatigued, hey, who doesn't want to take a nap? But then wake up and you're not hungry? That was torturous. I had to force myself to eat. But I mean, that's, that was the gist of the, but some people, but some, because of the virus and fear, it pulled them away and they gave up on their walk. They gave up on their attendance. They gave up on God. And so these are the times that tries men's souls. The contentious election that we went through, the, the, the oh, I don't know how to say it, or I, I don't want to say it in a way that's inappropriate, but it, it's, it tried men's souls. And some people have left the church because of it. See, it's a, when we're in this battle, it's, the battle is not, it's not about somebody else's opinions or somebody else. We're here to serve the Lord and to serve the Lord in fullness of heart. It doesn't matter what my what my affiliation would be, as it does not matter what your affiliation would be. You want to know what matters? That we're one in Christ. That's what matters. God is disciplining his people. I want to say this again. God is disciplining his people to prepare them for the battle that lies ahead. He's preparing his people. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way which seems right to a person, but in the end it is the way of death. See, God is preparing his, his people. He's preparing his church he's, for the battle that lies ahead because he wants to be glorified in the earth when he moves and he sets his agenda to the nations. And so he's disciplining the church. And it's disciplining the church for a specific reason, for an end-time harvest. But he's disciplining the church. And now, look, it says, well, there's a, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is death. Well, I think we need to do it this way. I think we need to do, I think we need to uh, go after this, this group of people. I think we need to go after that group of people. I think this needs what, what needs to happen. I think God should move this way. I think the church should be involved in this. I think the church should be involved in that. That's insanity. The Bible tells that there is there's a way which seems right to a man. Well, this seems right, but in the end it leads to death. Or it leads to it leads to nothing. It leads to famine. It leads to it, it, it leads to a, a, a pushing away or or an offending of people that God may want to have saved. So we have to understand that God is preparing His people for the battle that lies ahead. 
God's plan for the times that, God's plan for the times that we are now living in. I want us to look at Joshua chapter 5. God has a plan and, um, for this time that we're living in and how to work it out, how to move according to God, how to stay in line, how to stay in step with God, marching in his line, being prepared for, for what he wants to do. And understand that God is on the march. He will set things straight. He is sovereign over the nations. And he is not deaf to the cries of his people and what they're going through all over the world. You say, well, when will God move? That's not up to me. I'm not God. Well, how come God's not doing this? It's not up to me. It's up to God. Well, God needs to set this straight. It's not up to me or you. It's up to God. And so we need to stop having more of an opinion on what or what God should or shouldn't do, how we should or shouldn't move. We need to keep our mouths shut, and we need to get in line with what God's doing. What I want to know is what are you doing, and am I in line with it? And that should be your heart too. God, am I in line with what you're doing in the earth? Am I, am I, am, am I following your direction? Am I marching in line? And God has some marching orders for, for the church today, and I want to give them to you. Let's read Joshua chapter 5. Now it came about when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed, that their hearts melted, that there was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make for yourself flint knives and circumcise again the sons of Israel the second time. So Joshua made himself flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gabalagaba. <laughs> Period. This is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war, died in the wilderness along the way after they came out of Egypt. For all the people who came out were circumcised, but all the people who were born in the wilderness along the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the sons of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, that is the men of war, who came out of Egypt perished because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord had sworn that he would not let let them see the land which the Lord had sworn to give them, their fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. Their children, whom he raised up for, for their place, Joshua were circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them along the way. Now, when they had finished circumcising all the nation, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua today, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. While the sons of Israel camped at Gilgal, they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month, the evening of the 14th day of the month on the desert plains of Jericho. On the day after, one day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land unleavened cakes, and parched grain. The manna ceased 
on the day after they had eaten some of the produce of the land. So the sons of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate some of the yield of the land of Canaan during that year. Now it came, it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, No. Rather, I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Just to give you some background, what's going on. See, they're on the other side of the Jordan, and they know that, they're, that they have been com uh, commissioned by God to take the land. And the first, first stop in taking the land was Jericho. So before they crossed the Jordan, they sent out two spies. And you, some of you know the story. So they go and they, they stop at the, at the house of a prostitute, and um, the prostitute hides them, and um, she lets them down because her house was attached to the wall, lets them down. They go back, and they said, hey, we got great news. The people are melting away with fear. We can take this land. Okay? Sent out, comes back the report, okay, we're ready for battle. They cross the Jordan, and now as they're ready and preparing for battle, they're ready to go into battle, God has an agenda to prepare them for the battle. And the first preparation that God used to prepare them for the battle was circumcision. See, circumcision is a cutting away, a cutting off, a cutting out, or a leaving off. I want to ask you a question or challenge you today. What are the things in your life that are hindering you from keeping pace with God. In other words, what is, it, what is it that you need to cut out? What is it that you need to cut off? What is it in your life that God is saying, you need to cut that off? Because it's keeping, it is hindering you from keeping pace with me. And the thing you don't want to do is fall back from what is God is doing or how God is moving. And then, you know, like in the animal kingdom, the animals that fall behind, the slow animals, those are the ones that get devoured. And that's some of the reasons why we don't have some people in, this, in the back of church because they fell out of line with what God is doing. They fell out of pace with what God was doing, and then something hit, and guess what? The enemy devoured them with fear and anxiety and depression and discouragement and, oh, so here we are. The challenge to you today is what are the things in your life that are hindering you from keeping pace with God? God is on the march. Are you in line? Are you in line? Listen to what Hebrews chapter, chapter 12 has to say. Therefore, since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking only at Jesus, 
the originator and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So we have to understand something here. We have to understand that, well, God is after something in your life because it's, it's hindering you from keeping pace with, with God. And you say, I know what it is in my life. It doesn't take deep revelation. It doesn't take fasting. It doesn't take that. God's knocking on your door. God's spoken to your heart. God's whispered in your ear. God has convicted you of that thing. And you're like, yeah, I know. I'll get to it. I'll get around to it. I know, God. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not, let's not, let's not, let's not look there. Let, let's, let's, let's do, let's, let's have a different conversation. Who's God now? There are things in each and every one of our lives that God is after and saying, cut it out. Cut it off. Let it go. Some of it is habitual sin. I get it. And, and, and you're, 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 you've been before the Lord and you're like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, God, I'm trying. And God sees your heart and understands. But there's, there, are, there are avenues that you can go to get yourself free. There's other, there's other things in our lives. There's whatever it may be, you know, attitudes, uh, um, just, you know, unbelief, doubt, uh, anger, frustration, or, you know, uh, gossiping, whatever it may be. You know your thing as well as I know mine. And God wants to see that cut out because you know what? It's going to hinder you from following God and marching according to his command. Isn't it amazing? They're ready to go do battle, and God slows down the army. He gave them the command to take the land, and then he slows them down and says, circumcise the, men, the fighting men. Slows them down. They got to make knives. They got to circumcise the men. Then, the, then they have to sit there, and they have to be healed. God purposely slowed down the army for his purposes, so that they can keep pace with God. Facebook has two buttons. What? I, I know. I, I should start my own comedy club. That was great. No, Facebook has two buttons, deactivate and delete. Deactivate means that I am temporarily going to suspend this por portion of my life, but I can activate it anytime I want. See, and that's somehow, sometimes how we play with God. All right, I'll deactivate it. I'm not totally done with this. I'll visit it at my leisure and at a time of my choosing. That's deactivating. It's funny when you go to when you go to, to to Facebook and you deactivate. They even ask, "Well, how long are you going to be gone? <laughs> a week? A month? A year? Well, how long are you going to be gone?" 
We'll miss you while you're gone. No, you won't. You suppressed me, canceled my voice, and put me in jail. You're not going to miss me. That's deactivating. Deleting is when you're totally done with the, with, with the issue. Done. Gone. Goodbye. I love the people who announce they're leaving. Taking a break from Facebook. Who cares? Just go. We've made ourselves so important when we're really, and I'm not saying, I'm really not that important. I don't need to announce to the face, we're all leaving. No, don't go. <laughs> go. That's what God is looking for in our lives. Not deactivating, but deleting. And now I'm not saying, to you, oh, you need to, to, to delete Facebook. That's what is it that God is. It took me a year to get to that place. God's like, oh, deactivate. <laughs> I'm so obedient, God. And then a week later, reactivate. Do you understand what I'm saying? What is it in your life that you are holding onto that you are deactivating, activating, deactivating, activating, getting victory, not getting victory, getting victory, not getting victory, being obedient, not being obedient. Do you understand? Delete. 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 It's time for us to circumcise, cut away, cut out, leave off, delete that which is out of step with God. The second thing, this, the second thing that the army of Israel did was they celebrated. They celebrated the Passover. Can you imagine you're in an army? Private, I want you to take that hill. Sarge, I think we need to have a party first. I think we need to celebrate taking the hill. But you've not taken it. Yeah, but I still think we need to celebrate. Now, that would seem insane, but I want to let you know that this was God's plan to slow down the army. Okay, he did that. Then, then they celebrated the Passover. But why did they celebrate the Passover? So that they can celebrate the God who delivered them out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of affliction, and remember the good things that God did for them the 40 years that they were in the desert. They celebrated the Lord. They celebrated. They remembered the things that God had done. They celebrated the Lord. We have to be prepared. No, I'm sorry. We... How do I say this? We celebrate who God is, not for what we celebrate God for who he is, what he's done, what he's doing, what he will do, not only in your life, but in the earth. Yes, I want to tell you, we need to celebrate. Thank you, Pastor. Full Gospel Center, we need to step up our game. I'm glad you agree with me. We need to step up our game. I want to I wanna kind of talk to you about some things here when I talk about stepping up our game. This is a church 
This isn't a library. You are too quiet when it comes to worship. I'm serious. If you spend more time, if you're louder at your kid's sports activity than you are in the church, you're out of step with God. If you could scream and holler at your TV when your your sports team, whether it's soccer, baseball, football, basketball, uh, I don't know, crocheting, whatever it is, if you cheer louder for your TV set than you do for, for the worship set, you're out of step with God. I want to say this to you, and I say it to you as a pastor. I love you, and I hear you. But we need to step up our game. Does anybody know what the, what the mission statement to Full Gospel Center is? Anybody? Bueller? <laughs> Bueller? Elevate worship, strengthening families, reaching the lost. That's a great mission statement. But we're having a hard time with the first step. How are we going to get to the second step? We need to up our game. Now, listen. I, I want to let you know, worship is participatory, not, how would you say, um, where I am, um, come on, somebody help me, Bueller, Bueller, uh, it's, it's where I participate in worship, I don't look and I don't, I, I'm not here to be a uh, spectator, thank you, I'm stumbling, I know, I get it, it's all right. But yeah, are you a spectator or are you a participant? I, I want to sh- share with you something. This is not the right response when the presence of God comes in. This is not the right response when the song ends, because then we're being spectators, not participants. That's not a show. That's not a stage. That's an altar. Okay? So this is... Now... I want to. I want to let you know. I understand worship can be awkward. I understand. You know. You know. Whatever. It's like I don't expect when I come home from day's work for Jill to get up and start clapping that I'm home. Okay. Nor do I. Does Jill expect? I hope that I clap. That was a great meal, honey. Wonderful. That was awesome. Bravo. That's weird. Okay, when the presence of God comes, we need to welcome him, not, see, we need to learn how to worship, and I understand, listen, worship can be awkward, you know, hands up, hands down, all right, I look at, sometimes I look like I'm, I'm landing an F-15 fighter jet on the, on the, on the battle, oh, not a battleship, whatever you call that, the aircraft carrier, okay, There's, I understand it's awkward, but here's the thing. Worship should be awkward, not perfect. We're all awkward, right? We all are. But the thing is, is God loves our awkwardness, not our perfectionist. So you got to know how to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You got to be able to say, I love you, Lord. Blessed be your holy name. Lord, you are worthy of all praise. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. We need to learn 
how to make noise. We need to learn how to celebrate the Lord. We got to up our game. We can't get to strengthening families if we haven't gotten to elevating worship. So God wants it. See, that's what he taught the, pe the people. Celebrate me. Now, Psalm 105 says, give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord re rejoice. Do you seek the Lord? Rejoice. Yay! Rejoice. Let me celebrate. All right, I'm, where was that? I'm, I'm going to that party. Celebrate the Lord. When you worship God, I want this is this is kind of cool. When you celebrate God before the battle, you've already won the battle. When I was a Brooklyn kid and I was first coming to, to know the Lord, right? Okay? I used to sit in the back row, the seat closest to the exit. Because if something jumped off, I'm out. Typical. Tell me when you got here for the first time, you didn't check us out. Right? I'm checking you out. One eye on the door and one eye on the pastor. Okay. That's understandable. But as I began to watch the people, I watched them worship. And, I, and my first testimony to those people was, wow, these people know God. And I didn't know that you can know God. That's how powerful a testimony worship is. Amen. All right? So I want you to understand that. And then it, it, it got, as I began to go some more, there were people that stayed after church. Imagine that. <laughs> stayed after church to worship some more. Amen, right? They would, they would stay. The pastor was done preaching, and they'd stay. And they would go up to the altar, and they would start worshiping some more. And there was less than 10 of them. I don't want you to think it was the whole church. I mean, come on, they're not that crazy. But there were a few that stayed because they were hungry. They were after something that hadn't gotten fulfilled yet in their life. The battle wasn't won, so they stayed and worshipped some more. And I would start to move up, start to move up, start to move up, start to hang out. What's happening? I'm learning how to worship. I'm learning. See, the thing is, sometimes in worship, it's okay to copy somebody else in the room. Hey, that, okay, that guy puts up his hands. All right, that guy puts up his Hey, somebody's jumping up and down. Okay, I'm going to jump up and down. Hey, somebody's running up and down the altar. All right, I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> but, take it easy. Come on now, hey. <laughs> but we shouldn't be afraid or ashamed of what somebody else thinks of us in our worship. 
So if you want to run, run. If you want to shout, shout. Hey, listen, if you want to dance, dance. Dance. Now, I ain't going to dance because I don't want to offend the Holy Spirit. I mean, but I'll shout. But where is my dancers? Where's my shouters? Where are, you see, we all don't have to be doing everything at the same time. I don't worship the way you worship, and you don't worship the way I worship, but your worship is just as much pleasurable to God as mine is. Worship God according to your strength. The Bible tells us what's the great commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Worship God with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. We need to celebrate the Lord. See, the testimony of full gospel is, man, those people party. They get down. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the thing. We need to up our game when it comes to celebrating the Lord. Write it down, because next week, we're going to celebrate. <laughs> I'm serious, and we do. We need to, and then we need to celebrate some more the following week. And then again, we need to do, we need to do it so much that God come, ooh, comes in so strong. Whoa. Because we're like, God, why aren't you moving in the service? And the God's like, why aren't you moving in your seat? <laughs> God, I want you to move. <laughs> I want you to move. This isn't moving. This is awkward. The Holy Spirit's coming, and we're clapping. It's like, I'm going to come anyway, but, you know, I want to come some more. And what brings more of the presence of God? Celebrating his presence. Getting cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Do you understand what I'm saying? Really letting loose. So what? So what? Look, were they already we're already terrorists. That's the testimony. What's his testimony of us? Oh, those are my worshipers. Those are the people that celebrate my presence. I want to let you know, God wants to invade this place. I'm serious. God wants to invade this place. But what's hindering him is our celebration. Celebrate the Lord. Celebrate the Lord. Celebrate the Lord. Amen. And when you celebrate the Lord, here's the thing. Some of us come in, I know, it could be a rough week, and you're like, oh. But as you celebrate, the, what happens is God goes before you and he begins to do battle for you on your behalf that the thing that you were concerned about by the time you leave, it's already done and won. Amen? Celebrate him. Last, consider. Here's Joshua now. <laughs> you know, imagine being the leader of the army and the first thing, what do you want to do? You want to fight? You're a warrior. You've been in the desert for 40 years telling him you're going to go out and fight and take the land. You finally get ready to go fight and take the land. And, and oh, circumcised. we got to slow down. Okay, celebrate. Slow down again. Okay, let's go. We've circumcised. we celebrate. Now it's time to get out there. And they're going to run. And Joshua comes in th into the presence of, a, of an angel with his sword drawn. And he has to consider... Whose side is this guy on? He's magnificent. And he asked him, whose side are you on? I'm not on your side. I'm not on their side. I'm on God's side. What, what do you want from your servant? 
take your shoes off for the place where you're standing is holy ground. We have to consider this when we're marching in step with God. Whose fight are you fighting? Yours or God's? If your heart is God, get him, you have to step out of line because you're out of line. If your heart is God, save them. You're in line with God. Because the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God didn't send his son into the world to get him, but that the world through him might get him. Amen? Amen. Now it's paraphrasing, but you get what I'm saying. There's the heart of God and there's the heart of man. What heart are you following? See, the heart of man says, oh, we got to get them. Those evil, and then you fill in the blanks. Right? Drawing, we're drawing a battle line in the sand. You want God to get them, and you want God to save them. See, you have to consider the ground that you're standing on. You have to consider, is your ground holy or is it hostile? See, if it's holy, then you want what God wants. And you want to stay in line with what God is doing. So you're standing on holy ground. But if, if, if your heart is hostile towards the lost or towards people that don't value your opinion or don't, don't follow your philosophy and you're hostile towards them, you have to step out of line. Your heart's not right. And because your heart's not right, you can do damage to the kingdom of God and to the name of the Lord. See, and so we have to consider the ground in which we're standing on. What are we doing? Are we following media or are we following the Lord? Am I following a particular uh, flock of seagulls? Put, you know, this little gaggle here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or am I listening? And am I seeking after, God, what are you doing? How do I follow in line with you? Um, God, how do I get your heart so I know what you're doing so that when you do it, I'm in line with you and I'm prepared for a harvest? See, man does not know how to handle vengeance. Obviously, we set fire to neighborhoods. We, 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 there was riots. There was fire, there was people killed. And then also too, a sacred building was broken into and taken over because people don't know how to handle vengeance. Because guess what? God never expects man to handle vengeance because guess what? Man can't handle vengeance. In Romans, it says this, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. 
Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I'm going to close in this, in this really quick. We love you here. We love you. And, and maybe this, this word is, you, you're, you're again, you, can, you feel it. There's something I need to circumcise. Okay. Or I'm out of line because of the attitude of my heart towards certain individuals. We're here for you because we don't want you out of line. We, see, when you fall out of line, somebody needs to fall out of line with you to find out why you're out of line, minister you, and get you back in line. Because if we just keep marching, watch you go, then you get devoured, and it hurts the body of Christ. Each and every one of us are, are accountable to each other as brothers and sisters. So if there's something in your life, if there's, if there's a circumcision needing to be done, or there's an attitude where you're standing on hostile ground instead of holy ground, come speak to us or speak to a brother and sister. We want to see you stand in line. We want Full Gospel Center to be strong, and we want Full Gospel Center to be ready for when God moves, that these doors are open and that these seats are filled and that the harvest time is ready. We're ready for an end-time harvest. Amen? Amen. Amen.